You ever have an, a moment, an opportunity where you see something that was someone's job? It was just, they just had to do one thing. They just had one focus and they missed that opportunity. You think about this a lot as a, a preacher. Uh, preachers have a lot of responsibilities. Most people think, well, gosh, all you do is, is, is work for about an hour a week and that's it. And so they, you know, they just think, they just pop in, they call, they text, and they just kind of do things. So they think, well, preachers aren't busy. But the thing is, if I got up here this morning and said, guys, you know, it's been a real busy week. I just don't have anything for you, so I'm just going to let you go early. It'd probably be revival in the church. I mean, people would just be so happy for that. But, I mean, as the preacher, it's sort of, I mean, it's sort of implicit in the name, preacher. You got one job, one primary function to do, and that's if if that doesn't get done, well, then you you sort of miss the point of what it is you're doing. And some preachers get, you know, they just do everything else but work on the sermon, and uh, then when it comes time, they'll they'll pull in a Saturday night special or you know find a sermon online somewhere and just just kind of phone it in. Preachers have one job. This morning we're not going to talk about preachers because that would be awkward for me, but we are going to talk about parents. And as I think about parents, I think the same applies. You really have one job. You, maybe, maybe you've seen this on uh, the internet somewhere. Uh, I think there's a website devoted to it and certainly some Twitter and, and Instagram accounts kind of devoted to this call. It's called You Had One Job. And as people submit pictures of someone who had one job to do, really one thing that needed to get done, like uh, the, the guy pricing the bananas at Walmart who just said, well, let's call them long yellow things. And is that really what we're calling bananas these days? Hey, he didn't know what the fruit was, didn't even take time to ask or look it up. He just said, lads, long yellow things, good enough. What about this guy, the, the, the sign guys, please slow drively, please slow drively. Yeah, good enough, good enough. Um, the guy right making the uh, signage on the road there might cause a few <laughs> traffic problems. And uh, the guy installing the handrail on the, the stairs there, I'm not exactly sure how that works. But in all those situations, right, you see an example of someone who forgot their job, someone who lost their focus, who just kind of just eh, I got other things to do, I got other things on my mind, got other priorities. And you know, as we talk about parents this morning in our series called Faithful Families, uh, that is 100% what can happen and will happen in the world of parenting. We've got to be careful as parents. Now, if you're just joining us and you just tuned in online or you're you know, here today, you need to know this is a, a whole series and it's designed to really work all together. So I would encourage you to download the podcast or check it out on Vimeo. Uh, but because we are talking about families, both in the earthly sense and in the spiritual sense. So even if you're not a parent or you think, well, this doesn't really apply to me, there are some spiritual implications. We're going to talk about those at the end of the message. When um, we think about parenting, there's not a lot in this book on parenting. In fact, one of the key scriptures on parenting was just read for you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians 6, verse 4 says, just as was read for you just a moment ago, fathers, 
Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You got one job, and, and it's easy in the midst of parenting, especially in today's world where we're constantly reminded of how good a job all other parents are doing, and, and we're just sort of filled with this sort of angst and anxiety over what we're not doing, may we focus on just keeping it very simple. This is our one job. This is the one thing that we've got to get right. And the, uh, one author, Stephen Covey, wrote this, and I've always, it's easy to remember and, and it's, it's easy to apply in this message. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, as parents, we've got a lot of distractions, a lot of things that we can be doing. But the scripture says, Ephesians 6, 4, that there's one thing and one thing only that we should be doing. So may we not forget the main thing. May we keep our focus, keep our eye on the ball as the scriptures instruct. This is why I think there's not so many scriptures about parenting. Because God really wants us to keep it simple. Human beings tend to overcomplicate things, but we have one thing among the many things that we do, and that's the the title of this morning's sermon. You have one purpose, and that is this, is to lead your children to Jesus. Now, we've got some high-caliber parents here at Northside, and I mean parents from a, a perspective from... From a world perspective, I mean, we've had professional athletes raised here at Northside. We've had Broadway stars raised here at Northside. Uh, We've had uh, very intelligent, studied people raised here at Northside. In these pews, in these halls, in these foyers, there are lots of, of wonderful things that parents can do with their children. Some children have great gifts and strengths, and those parents have just poured gasoline on those, those gifts and strengths. But may we not forget this. As a parent, regardless of where your kid goes to school, regardless of, of what they achieve in their career, regardless of how successful they are as an athlete or as a musician or as an artist, if you do nothing else but lead your child to Jesus, you have done your job. And if you do everything else but lead your child to Jesus, you have missed the purpose of parenting. We think about that. From a worldly perspective, I'm not saying this applies with these parents. I'm just saying you can raise by all worldly standards a very successful child. But if you do not help them and lead them to Jesus, you've missed the point. A parent, think of it this way, is a steward of a soul. When you brought the child into the world or when you adopted them, that you, brought the, you, you were given the responsibility of stewarding that soul, that precious soul, up to that point known only by God, knit together in his or her mother's womb and given to you to steward. Just, just go back to that moment when you first held your child in your arms. That was a special moment. God was giving to you someone precious. 
a precious soul. And we are to steward that well. Our Father wants parents to steward their children in a way that leads all his children back to him. C.S. Lewis put it this way, and I love, love, love this. Children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. They absolutely are. I mean, children sometimes, by some people, can be seen as a nuisance. That's not just true in today's church. I mean, mean, there are, you know, children get loud. Children are not always decent and in order. And sometimes they get the they get the look. Be careful now. Be careful for what you wish for. Do you really want a church that's quiet and has no children? Because that's a dying church. And I will tell you. And I understand that parents have a job to do, and, and, and when little ch- children get rowdy, you know, take them out and use the, the uh, I call it the parent penalty box back there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go out in the foyer, uh, take them to the nursery. I mean, the, we provide all those things for a reason. We want you to bring your children here, but if you don't have children, please, please, please understand that every single parent with a child had a choice to make, and they decided as they were trying to wrangle kids and find that missing sock and, and clean up the cereals that was spilled, as they were doing all that, they said, we're going to get them to worship Almighty God. And so really the last thing that they need when they're here is a judgmental glance or a discouraging view. We should be encouraging. And let me just say, especially today of all days, parents, if you brought your children today... An hour short of sleep. Everybody's cranky. Everybody's on edge. Praise God for you. Thank you for being so intentional and purposeful as a parent because you get what C.S. Lewis said. This is the most important work. Andy Stanley famously said that your greatest contribution to the kingdom may not be something you do. It may in all likelihood be someone you raise. Parents, you're doing holy work of God. And I'm not just admonishing the church today. I mean, back in Jesus' day, you know. People were bringing their little kids to see Jesus because he was, I think he was happy. I think he was a people person. I think people liked being around Jesus. And they were bringing their kids to see Jesus. And the disciples said, get them out of here. We don't need kids. This guy's going to be king. Get those kids out of here. What are they doing here? And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? Bring the kids to me. I want the kids to come to me. I want the children to be in my presence. And so, parents, when you're bringing children into the presence of Jesus, whether you're doing it here, whether you're doing it at home, you are doing the most important work you'll ever do. God bless parents who bring their children. I was having a, a, a visit with a, a young mom. She got young kids, and we were talking about just life, and they have some big decisions to make as a family. And we were kind of talking through that a little bit. And then she said this. I thought it was really, really wise. 
She said, you know, we've talked about this decision. We're praying through it. We don't know exactly what we're going to do. And even though it feels big right now, I know in the big scheme of things, it's not the, the biggest thing in the world. Like a hundred years from now, as long as my kids love Jesus, and as long as my kids grow up to love Jesus and lead their children to love Jesus, we're good. Regardless of which way this decision goes, we're good if they know Jesus and love Jesus. Amen, Mama. Amen. That is exactly right. Parents, keep a little perspective as you go and remember the holy work in which you engage. Now, at this point, all of you, I mean, I I think very few of you would disagree with the sermon thus far, right? Lead your kids to Jesus. Okay, get it. Um, this is the point where you go, yes, but how, preacher? And, you know, give me some practical stuff. So, good. I got two more things for you, and, and then we'll wrap it up. A couple of practical ideas. Number one, show them Jesus. Now, the scripture that Larry McKinley read, uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. By the way, if you want to join us for the wisdom from Proverbs, we're studying that on Sunday nights. But this, uh, this proverb is a, is a general truism. If we show our children Jesus, how do we do that? If we, how do we train them up? Well, the same way we train our children to do anything. There's, there's you know, primarily when you have young children... And I don't care whether you're showing them how to put away their clothes or brush their teeth or pick up their room. Every single one of those things you want to train them to do, the easiest, the most obvious way to do that is to do it. Uh, Let's take, for example, brushing your teeth, okay? So little children have to learn the coordination of, you know, holding that, putting the toothpaste on the toothbrush, putting a little water on there, and then brushing. And then you got to get all the way in the back, you know. they got to do it the right way. So the best way to do that is not to yell at a kid and say, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. The best way to teach them to do that is to get your toothbrush, put a little, t- and just show them how daddy or how mommy brushes their teeth, okay? Human beings learn by watching, by doing. We understand that. There's lots of ways. Uh, If you've got a a, a teenage boy or girl and you're trying to show them the basics of car maintenance, you might say, well, okay, today I'm going to show you how to change your oil. Okay? And so you show them, get out the jack, and you put the jack here, and you raise the car up, and then you, you know, show them where the oil filter is, and you show them how to remove the drain plug and and how to catch the oil and replace the drain plug and put the oil back in, and, you know, you go through all those steps you could get, you know, look online and get an, a manual and read through those instructions step by step. But a better way is to get under the car with them, to show them. I can remember learning how to change the oil with my dad. We were under the car together. He was showing me because that's the easiest way to teach. Well, the same way when we are trying to, with our purpose of leading our children to Jesus, we need to show them. Jesus. Somebody once said that more is caught than is taught. So, some time for reflection. Do your children see you loving God's Word?
And we have to be careful with this. This is important because, I, you know, I've got my Bible here and I've got my Bible here. And I think about this. Although I read my Bible here, I do a lot of other things on here too. So it's not uncommon for my kids to see me on my phone. I'm sort of training them that way. So if I want them to love God's word, I need to make sure that they know that I'm in God's word. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you can't use your Bible on your phone, okay? But I am saying, make sure you have a Bible that's clearly a Bible, and that occasionally and regularly you are reading from it. So when your children wake up in the morning and they go into the room and they see you at the table and you're reading something, it's clear to them what you're reading. They see you scrolling on the phone. I mean, who knows what mom and dad might be reading. They need to see you loving God's word. Do your children, are you training your children to pray to Jesus? Do you, do you pray with them? Do you pray for them? I'm, I've, I'm pretty sure, it's, my assumption is, most God-fearing, Jesus-loving parents pray for their children. You know that when you... You know, see a, a young man, young woman get married, especially if they're Christians and their families are Christians, you know their parents have prayed for that day. And although we pray for them, may we take the time to pray with them. And, and as part of doing that, it's, you know, really good to take some time to talk with them so that you can pray over the things that are on their hearts. Because what are they learning? Not just that prayer is important, but that God cares about what we pray over and how we pray. Do you bring God into your life? Is he a part of the conversation? When you're driving this week, and you know now the sun's, I guess it's going to be a little darker, so I don't, but you, know, you see a sunrise or you see a sunset, do you say, oh, wow, look at that sunset. Oh, wow, look at that sunrise, so beautiful. Or do you use the opportunity to say, wow, didn't God make a beautiful world? You're, I remember one time Daryl Oakley teaching a parenting class, and he was talking about this idea that for little children, the whole world is new. We as adults get frustrated because they take so much time, to, but they're exploring this whole new world that we've gotten used to. But we have an opportunity as our children explore the world and learn about the world to bring God into every conversation and show them that God is a part of your life. Not, he's a priority in your life, not just a part of your life. Revering God. Do your children see you worshiping God? Now, for this crowd this morning, I'm, I think you got that covered, at least for this Sunday. You need to know that's important. And not just for your children to see you worshiping God, it's so important for your children to see others worshiping God as well. That's important and it matters because it shows them that there's someone who's higher than us. May we take our, uh, may we think as we think about this, make sure that God is a priority for us and that that shows in our day-to-day lives that we're showing that, not just telling them to make God a priority. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Now, Paul, this is not a parenting passage per se, but he's sort of ending his letter to the church at Philippi. 
And, and what I find here is very interesting. He says this. Finally, brothers, this is page 1259 if you're following along in this Bible. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if, any, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Okay, and that's a good list, you know, it's kind of the whatever list and thinking about honorable and good things. Fine, those are, those are all good things. But I love what he says next. And this really puts it on him. The Apostle Paul says this, Philippians 4, 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, he says, you know, think about these things. And if you need further example, whatever you've heard or seen or learned from me, think about (laughs) WWAPD. What would Apostle Paul do, right? What did I see Paul doing? Would Paul, that's wonderful. Parents, think about your parenting in that way. Well, I hope you'll think of it in that way. Is your example leading your children to Jesus? No one does it perfectly, okay? Uh, but we have to be mindful. Um, a story from uh, the Babylon Bee. I, I it really enjoy the Babylon Bee. The title is, After 12 Years of Quarterly Church Attendance, Parents Are Shocked by Their Daughter's Lack of Faith. Now, Babylon Bee, if you don't understand, is satire. Most people, some people don't get that. <laughs> when you share something on Babylon B, it's meant to be satire, okay? But this satire stings just a little bit. This satire is making a serious point. Kids take the, if you actually click on Babylon B, it'll give an article. It's kind of funny how it starts. Local father, Treble Mickelson, 48, and his wife, Carrie, 45, are reeling after discovering that after 12 years of steadily taking their daughter Janie to church every Sunday that didn't have more pressing appointment, uh, which was at least once every three months, that now she no longer demonstrates the strong quarterly commitment to her faith that she was raised in. That stings a little bit, doesn't it? Your children are watching you. And so when you make worship a priority... A, a, a rock in your schedule, a stone that cannot be moved, you're doing something that matters. May we not forget that your children will always be your children. Someday they're going to grow up and they're going to do exactly as they've seen being done. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 because Paul's speaking to another church. And this church was not as, you know, they had a, little more, a few more problems than Philippi. 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul said, follow my example, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Parents, your children follow your example more than they follow your advice. I wish I could change that around But they will always tend to follow your example more than they do your advice. You can tell them that God's important, but they will only make him a priority 
if they see it's a pri- he's a priority for you. You can tell them that you should go to church and worship God, but they will only do that if they see that you do that. Because what matters to you will ultimately impact and, and matter to them. May we steward carefully our example. Is your example Christ? We, we've got to show them Jesus. Now, between showing them Jesus, sometimes you, know, you hear this about personal evangelism and sharing your faith and all of that, and people start talking about it, and eventually it'll come down to this sort of the discussion. Well, I'm not really good about putting things in the words. I'm not a missionary or a preacher. I really can't. I'm not very smart. I don't think quick on my feet. So you know what I do? I just live a good life. I just live the best life I can. Well, okay, <laughs> But I think we're missing something there. Between your good life, your good example, your good influence, there also has to be some words that indicate why you're living a good life and why you live the way you do and why you have the hope that you have. So in addition, on the parenting side, in addition to showing Jesus to your children, you also have to do this. You've got to tell them. You've got to. You've got to make sure that they understand who they are and who Jesus is. If you're following along in the scriptures, Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Now, this is the verse that we read on Mission Sunday, but this is not a Mission Sunday only verse. Romans chapter 10, verse 14, Paul says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Parents, Jesus does not happen by osmosis. You're going to have to talk about him if you care that your children grow up to follow him. You've got to tell your children about him regularly. Homework for today. And I realize some kids are in children's training hour, so I'll put it both. If if any of the youth group, um, I'll put this on you for sure. Anyone under the age of 18, here's your assignment. Ready? I want you to ask your parents how they came to know Jesus. And what difference he's made in their lives. Now, I realize you're going to know that because they've shown you, probably. But I want them to tell you, and I want them to get good at telling. So I know your parents are always on you for like, do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. This is your chance to put it on them. I need you to know their story. Because guess what? Someday, you're going to have to share your story. You grow up and get married. You have your cell phone on and this, the sound's up and people are looking around. And As you grow up and you get married and you have children, God will expect the same of you. God will expect the same of you. Parents, I hope that you do not wait until your final moments in the hospital, your deathbed, to wait to tell your 
children and your children's children about Jesus and about your need for him and about their need for him. Deuteronomy chapter 6 probably gives us the best known example, page 192 in the Pew Bible. And I, I love the way the scripture is just so plain and simple. We don't have to make it real complicated. These words that I command you today are to be upon your hearts. Teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Now, these, these two verses, which the Israelites were to daily be instructing their children, absolutely remind us of the importance of bringing Jesus into the conversation. Our children need to know why he matters to us. And how he's made a difference in your life. Impress them on your children. I mean, it's not just something that you say one time after the preacher gives a homework assignment. But you impress that upon them. Because you know eternity, their eternity, depends on it. Judgment day is coming. Parents, are your children ready? If you do nothing else, impress upon them to be ready for that day. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Uh, The story is told by Dr. James Dobson. that Their family had a symbol amongst each other. And it was very simply this, a simple thumbs up. But that thumbs up meant something more than good job or congratulations or well done. The thumbs up meant two simple words. They were be there. Be there. And that be there meant on judgment day, when it comes time, whenever that is, make sure you are there. And make sure you are ready. And if the last moments we have together on this earth, we're unable to speak, this means everything to the Dobson family. Dr. Stafford North shared that story 20 years ago, and it's a big part of his own family. He's made such an impression upon not just college students, but his children, his children's children, his children's children's children know to be there. Uh, he He's fine if they graduate from college, he's That's great if they go on to be successful people, uh, make lots of money and do great things and impact the world in a positive way. But if they do nothing else in this world, may they make sure to be there and be ready. That's impressing it on your children. And you can steal that from Dobson. You can steal that from Dr. North. You can make it your own family symbol. You as a mom and a dad have one responsibility to make sure that your children get there. And that they're ready. The second grade Sunday school was really getting into the lesson. It was a lesson from Genesis chapter 6. It was a story of Noah's ark. And this teacher was a great uh, 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 
teacher because she went into vivid detail into all parts of the story. She talked about the building of the ark and she pulled out some wood. She didn't have gopher wood, but she, she had some two-by-fours and some wooden mallets and she pounded and she, she talked about the, the ways in which the ark would have been built and how many years that it took. He talked about the beginning of the, the rain as it began to come and it began to fill and the water that came from below and, then, and just painting this picture. And as she talked about the water, she had a little a rain bucket and she gently sprinkled the children and she really got into this and in their mind for these second graders it it built up and then she began to she couldn't build an entire ark so she had pulled out these pieces of cardboard and she encouraged all the children to get inside the ark to talk to them about why Noah built the ark was to to save his family to save his children and their wives and to make sure that they all lived and as they were talking the teacher said now anyone inside the ark would have been safe, but how many were in the ark? And the second graders told the teacher, just, just Noah and his family. But there was one young man inside the cardboard ark. Who this hit pretty hard. And on a second grade level, with all the purity and innocence of a child, with big brown eyes, looked into his teacher's face and said, but why for all the kids outside the ark, why didn't their parents get them to the ark? We can look back generations and go and say, why didn't those parents? Why didn't the people heed the message? Why didn't they know that that was a vessel of salvation? But the question remains for us. You see, the scripture says there's another day of destruction coming. And it's not going to be with water. It's going to be with fire. And everything that we know is going to change forever in an instant. And I have to think that in that moment, there will be some children wondering. My mom and dad never said a word about the ark. Not the physical ark, the spiritual ark. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter talked about it. He said, said this way, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, There is now no other name, no salvation and no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the spiritual ark. There is a day of destruction coming. The Bible's quite clear about it. And I don't mean to scare you with that. I'm, actually, let me take that back. Maybe I do. Maybe we ought to take that seriously. The scripture certainly does. And the scripture says, if you're not in that ark you're not any more ready than they were. My job is to tell you about the ark. But parents, your job is to make sure your children get on the ark, get in the ark, and are saved by the ark. May we take that seriously. Now, I've got a group of parents in here feeling really convicted, but I've got another group of parents in here that are feeling so, so guilty. 
Because their moment has passed. Their children are grown. Their children's children are growing. And they feel nothing but remorse over the past for not having intentionally and purposely led their children to Jesus. And can I tell you, can I speak some grace to you? It's not too late. It's not too late. You still have a weighty voice in your children's life. I have a good friend whose mother passed away just yesterday. She texted me. We were texting back and forth. She had been in the hospital. And I said, I'm so sorry for you. And she said, I know she was ready. But I will miss her voice. I will miss talking to her. I will miss hearing it. And I'm glad that I can hear it. Do you understand what that means? Her mother's voice speaks her from beyond this life. Parents, your voice still weighs heavy too. And even as your grown children and grown grandchildren realize that someday you will leave this world, may you not miss the opportunity if you didn't do it already. I mean, today. Get on the phone. Say, you know, something's been weighing on my heart and I just want to make sure that my conscience is clear and my heart is clear. I want you to be there. I want you to be ready. And I'm sorry for what I didn't do in the past and I can't change that, but I can change today. I want to make sure you know Jesus. If you don't know how to tell him to Jesus, you know, call or text me. I mean, we'll figure it out. I want to make sure every parent in here feels the weight of the responsibility to get your children to the ark. So the question is this morning, are you ready? Are you ready for that day? Parents, are you preparing your children for that day? Are you preparing them not just for that day, but for all eternal days? The only way to do that is by leading them to Jesus, by showing them Jesus, and by telling them about Jesus every day and often. This morning, if you, as I've talked about Jesus, realize you're not ready for the day of judgment, there is no other way to be ready. There's no other name than the name of Jesus. And the only way into Jesus is to have faith, to be baptized, to obey him, to be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins. That can happen this very moment, right now. You can get on the ark this morning. If you're ready to do that, Come on forward, meet our shepherds, we'll help you do that. Parents, if you need to repent or if you need us to pray for you, encourage you, let us do so because we want to help every parent and every child get to heaven. May we all, may we all be there. If you have a need this morning, please come as together we stand and sing.